Hello, and welcome back to the Purpose Map Podcast. It's Casey here, your host and the founder of Worthy and Well, and I have a bonus episode for you today. Happy holidays. Before I get into it, I want to remind you that you're invited to the Purpose Map Digital Day Retreat on January 2nd, 2022. It's absolutely free on me. Again, happy holidays. It's a gift from me to you and your purpose-driven friends. And in this day retreat, it'll be four hours that we'll spend together there'll be an hour break in between. So two 90-minute segments where I'll help you to celebrate and release the learnings from 2021. Call in what's aligned for you in 2022, including, you know, connecting you with your core values, your core desired feelings, your core desired results. And what I think is one of the most important parts of this is helping you to connect with other purpose-driven humans. I think about the moments in my life where I met people who are in my life today Often it's because I said yes to a new communal experiment, experiment, experience that is also an experiment. You know, sometimes when we're doing things for the first time or you're not sure if you'll know people or you're going into a group experience, it kind of is an experiment as well. But in these moments for myself anyway, I have literally met people who have changed my life. And of course, I received great value from the content provided and the experience that was offered. But what I take away for the long term are these deep and meaningful relationships. And let me tell you, Worthy and Well and the Purpose Map podcast listeners are amazing people. Worthy and Well is an incredible community of thoughtful, authentic, heart-centered humans. So come find your people. Again, that's on January 2nd, 2022, the Purpose Map Digital Day Retreat. You can sign up using the link in the show notes. Okay, so I said that this was going to be a bonus episode. It is. You know, Jeannie, who I introduced you to in the conversation about love, sex, and intimacy. Well, after we ended that recording, we continued to talk. And I was like, oh, there just has to be a part two. So a few days later, we hopped back on and continued the conversation. Jeannie shared more about that training that she introduced at the end of the last episode, the training that merged spirituality, sexuality, shamanism, and erotic experiences to help people heal and explore their relationship with their bodies, their sexuality, etc. So I was definitely super curious about that and asked Jeannie to share more details, um, which she, of course, did. And what what really came out of this episode that you're about to tune into is more of a conversation around the nuances of how you trust yourself and how you determine what your needs are and ask for those needs to be met. When we talk about letting our bodies lead and connecting with body wisdom, inner wisdom, understanding our own truth, the process is always about connecting with like what it is that you need. What is your aligned way? What is the wisdom that comes from you, you know? And when you're in a intimate, vulnerable experience or in a sexual experience, sometimes I think the um, there's like an amplification of the importance of honoring your needs. It's in those vulnerable moments where it can be really hard to ask for what you need or what you want from, say, a pleasure perspective. And so... Jeannie in this episode shares more about how in this training that was um, intimate and kind of triggering and, you know, brought up a lot of opportunities for personal growth and development, how she, how she discovered for herself what was 
true versus what was fear, what choices she wanted to make, what she needed to feel safe, as well as how her body and her body wisdom guided her to releasing what she called like a blockage, blocked energy. Anyway, so many details around that, more on sex and sexuality and intimacy and love. And I think even more than that, empowerment and how you trust yourself. And this is how this is all connected. The purpose map is about helping you to become more of who you are and to do more of what you need to or want to as it relates to your health, wealth, relationships. It starts with you connecting with yourself. And so we're just exploring a bunch of different pathways to help you be more who you are, to help you self-actualize. And so this is one of those pathways. Anyway, I'm so delighted to bring back to you Jean Noonan, my dear friend, for another casual conversation, continuing along the same lines of this topic of sex and intimacy and um, maybe personal growth and autonomy that can be experienced through the explorations around sexuality. I hope you enjoy it. Here is Jean Noonan. Here am I, here we are, continuing the conversation. Where did we leave off? I have no idea. You know, (laughs) okay, here's what I recall. At the very end of our last conversation, you started to speak of this training that you did. The sex training. (laughs) And, (laughs) And then when we hit like end recording, You said something to me that stuck with me that I wanted to like pull back into the space. You said to me that the training could have been dangerous for some people. Oh, yeah. Tell me more about that. There was a lot of trauma release, which is so beautiful that people have a space in which to release trauma. But... With 65 people, um, yeah, and three incredibly talented, gifted, and experienced facilitators. And then we had 12 assistants. You know, someone's going to get left behind. Someone's going to not get what they need. Um, And I was trying to feel into, like, I really struggled not... It, it was an interesting thing for me to observe. I I didn't quite struggle with my trauma releasing. I struggled being in such an environment with such dense trauma release, actually. Mm. Um, there was times where I was like, this is not serving me to be here. Um, you know, I've worked so hard for many years to find peace mm-hmm. in certain areas. Um, and actually... Now I'm just surrounded by trauma again, you know, and that for me started its own narrative in my head of, are you bypassing? Are you trying to run away? You know, mm-hmm. um, but just the words I just said, it was in my head. And when I felt into it in my body, I was like, this is not serving me to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like anything that's profound and powerful, if the right support and integration isn't there, it can be dangerous, I think. So Mm. I, yeah, I was trying to feel into what, 
how it would have been for me a few years ago. And I think it would have been quite traumatic for me a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it was really beautiful for me to observe actually um, that I was able to now with a lot of effort feel into, okay, what is me bypassing and being scared to do something versus what is my own innate intuition of this is not serving me and I'm going to choose to not do this practice or I'm going to choose to do it differently to what they've suggested, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I struggled with that at the start, trying to discern between those two things. It's the really fine line. Um, and it wasn't until I came up against a fear that I was like, ah, this is what this feels like. And um, me tuning into actually this is not serving me is what this feels like. So I don't mm-hmm. know if I speak to that in the last one. Well, you talked about this reminds me of the energetic when you said that there was an experience happening, an intimate experience in the room, and you chose to just sit and watch rather than jump right in. And you said mm-hmm. in the last episode that a prior version of you would have gone kind of like all in, but how good it Mm -hmm. felt to sit back and to honor your own truth and to trust. Like you said, I'm 36 years old. I have my whole life to have deeply connecting sacred experiences, intimate experiences Mm -hmm. with other people. So what you're telling me now sounds, sounds like a similar energy to that, which you shared in the last episode. And, Mm -hmm. um, and again, honor your boundaries. I'm curious if you could slow down the part that you just shared around fear like a fear came up and noticing what that felt like versus a intuition would you say Mm -hmm. yeah what might be an example of that and even if you're not using the I mean I'd love to hear the actual example from the actual experience but I I recognize that that could be quite intimate but like I feel like that discernment is really hard for a lot of people and it comes up Mm -hmm. in the like embodiment journey or like what does that even mean so if you could share more that would be awesome it's so interesting. I was like, ooh, should I tell what we were doing? And then I felt I did exactly what we were just talking about. And I was like, ah, no, th- this is a, you know, the first thought was, oh, don't share that. That's too intimate. And then I actually let that be. And I was like, no, that's just a narrative I've made up in my head that I shouldn't talk about these things. And actually, when I come down into the body, it, f- it would feel really good to share that right now. So I will. Wonderful. So. To give a broad example, the first, it was a seven day train or course, let's say experience. And the first three days were pretty much just trauma release stuff. And then the following four days were more um, exploring pleasure in all its senses. Okay. What did, slow that down. What does that mean? <laughs> like some people, I, I, I'm just imagining a listener being like, um, I don't even know what trauma is. I don't even know what trauma releases. I've never done anything like that. I've never done somatic work or body-based work. You know what I mean? Like, I know we're kind of in the deep end right now, but like trauma release work, like, I don't even know what you mean when you say that. Like, what does that look like? What did you do? Take me in there. That's such a good point. I'm I'm kind of speaking as if you were all there with me. <laughs> um Different practices like guided breath work, sharing circles, um, emotional release tools. I won't go too much into detail of them, but different things like throwing a tantrum, screaming into a pillow, you know, hitting things safely. Um, 
you know, somatically using your body to physically let things out. A lot of sound work, a lot of screaming, roaring, crying. Um, There were times in that room that I thought I was in an exorcism, you know. Um, Funnily enough, there were times in that room where it reminded me of being with my niece and my nephew. And if anyone has the privilege of being around young children, they, they make a lot of noise. They run around screaming for what might appear like no apparent reason, but they're literally releasing things that would otherwise get trapped in the body, you know? Um, So we were being guided to do lots of those practices. Um, The sharing circles were really intense. People sharing about abuse, rape, loss of parents, loss of children, um, like really, really deep rooted stuff that they may have ordinarily been really afraid to share. Um, yeah, I don't know. Does that give you an idea of the, the trauma work kind of? That helps so much. Thank you. Yeah. It, you know, there was a lot more than that, but that gives a kind of an example. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so you were starting to share that this is a seven day experience. The first three days you said were like trauma release. And now I think we have a sense of what that means. And then the, the last four days were more about pleasure, tapping into pleasure. Um, So back to the question that I asked you was around like fear, a fear came up and then it made you discern what is a fear and what is true. And you were about Mm -hmm. to share a little bit more about that. Yeah. So for the first few days, I just felt exhausted, drained, like uh, there was one particular moment where I was just lying on my back, almost in Shavasan, like a peaceful pose. And I just felt such deep peace. While pretty much the other 64 people around me were like throwing tantrums, screaming, Like I remember at one stage, there was just people just screaming, fuck you, fuck you. Like people just like hyperventilating, like really intense stuff. And I was just lying there really peaceful in the sense that my body had no energy. It didn't want to release. I wanted to come inwards. And I had such a deep knowing, a deep sense of that. And none of that was in my head. That was a very bodily sense for me. And as soon as I came up into my head, I had this real, you should be doing what everyone else is doing. You know, um, you're bypassing now by not doing what the facilitators have suggested you do. Um, and the facilita- one of the facilitators did come down to me and they were like, I, we were given six different emotional release tools and I tried them all. I did them. And then just every part, every fiber of my being was saying, lie down and rest, lie down and rest. So I did. And after a while, one of the facilitators came over and checked in with me with the very valid check-in of, are you bypassing? Are you numbing out? Are you checking out? Um, Which in itself is okay if that's what your body needs to do to keep you safe. And so whether I was numbing out out of fear or numbing out to keep myself safe she wanted to make sure I knew which and if I needed support that she was there and so I was in this narrative in my head of I should be doing this I should be doing this I should be doing this and even 
noticing that they were the words I was using in my head should um, and that it, I know people can't see me now but it, all of that energy and focus was up here in my head and when she spoke to me and said that I said every part of me is telling me to lie down and I said I just have such a sense of going inwards and to notice and she was like amazing do it you know listen to that wisdom um, and I did and I think her coming over and checking in gave me almost more permission to do it. But there was still this part of me that was like, oh, are you checking out? Are you afraid? Is there some huge block now or something that you're avoiding going into? Um, and as the days, the days of trauma release continued, that kept coming back. Um, and I had gone into the course quite busy and distracted. And so I didn't have that deep sense of trust and connection that I usually do. Um, and then uh, the fourth day where we started to do some of the more pleasure-based practices, we were doing um, a self-pleasure ritual where if you wanted to, it could include full nudity. And I am very comfortable with my body in an intimate setting with lovers. And I've done a lot of work on that over the years. And I spent so many years hating my body. <laughs> um, but in a room of 65 people I've just met, that's a whole other, you know. Um, and again, testament to this course, we were never forced to do anything. We were constantly reminded to use our own wisdom. Um, and I've always had this which I now know is a fear or blockage of like having my legs wide open when in company of someone I don't know or don't trust, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes right back to, you know, us not honoring or um, connecting to our yonis, our, our vulva, our vagina, you know, and not looking at it, like you said in the last episode, or knowing what is what and what's it about. So similar-ish feelings started to come up of like, don't open your legs, don't do this, don't, 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 don't. And because it's such an intense container, I got really confused. I was like, is this, what is this now? Because it did feel slightly different. And so I chose to call over the same facilitator this time. I really trusted her and had built a nice relationship with her at the time. And I said to her, I said, I'm feeling like I don't want to open my legs. I don't want anyone to see me. Um, and she said, okay, she said, can you speak more of that? And I said, you know, if I was here with a lover, it would be really different. Um, but I have a fear that someone will see me, basically. And then as those words came out, I was like, oh my God, this is that fear. It's not, it's not wisdom. It's, it's a fear. It's a block. It's, it feels... Um, instead of it being a knowing, a deep knowing that previously it was, this was like um, a blockade, like a, just stagnant. It was stagnant as opposed to moving is how I'm choosing to interpret it. And so she said to me, what do you think will happen if you open your legs and someone sees you? And I said, people will judge me. And she just said, hmm. She said, what if you just do it? And I just looked at her and we both smiled. And it was so funny. I love humor. I just opened my legs 
and nothing happened. <laughs> no one, like there were 65 people pleasuring themselves. No one was looking at me, you know. Yeah. And it, the only thing I can um, compare it to is, I don't know if you've ever been like standing at the edge of a cliff or a diving board and you have to jump off mm-hmm. and you like keep going to do it and you're just, you can't and you can't. And then in the end you do it and you're like, oh. And it felt like I was building myself up to jump off a 20 foot cliff. And then all I did was like take a step down the stairs. And then nothing happened. The two of us looked at each other. We burst out laughing. I had previously been crying, telling her about this fear. And she just said, she just nodded and smiled and walked away. And it was in that moment that I felt somatically the difference between these two things, because it is so fine, that line. And in that intense container, there was, I felt there was no space to really integrate or process all of this. It was almost like you were having to react really, really quickly to things. Um, But I just remember having such a sense of having, okay, it felt initially like I'd just taken a step down the stairs as opposed to jumping off a cliff. But in the next few moments, it felt like I had climbed a whole mountain in a second. It was like, like I'd blasted through that stagnant wall and that was now gone, you know? And I'm not saying that all fears are broken down like that. For some, it could be a much slower dissolving. Um, But that was a not true narrative I had told myself or society had told me or different things had told me and it didn't feel true in my body. It felt stagnant and stuck as opposed to a soft, dispersed wisdom. I don't know, is any of this making sense? Wow, Jeannie. I'm thinking that you just did a beautiful job of describing something that's indescribable, you know? Like, (laughs) I know that that's a hard question. Like, what, what is the difference and what does that feel like? And And it makes perfect sense that you're checking in and asking, like, did that make any sense? Because this, like, trying to put words to body wisdom, it's like body wisdom is like a different language. And yet Mm -hmm. I feel like you did that so beautifully through using metaphor, through speaking words to sensation, through taking us on a a journey. Um, And, you know, I'm having this moment of, like, pulling back and seeing things high level and and thinking about all of my clients and you know people listening who are like what the hell is embodiment and how do I even describe it and I feel like you just shared an example of like how hard describing an embodied knowing or experience is but also how you can do that so on one hand the part of me that is like a facilitator witnessing you in that was like wow yeah that does make sense and what a beautiful job you did describing your experience and then the other part of me that was so engaged in your story and this like fear that came up and I guess at every point in the story I was noticing in my own body like I was in your shoes feeling into how I would feel and you know that was interesting too so Yeah, I just so appreciate you sharing because it sounds like that was a really liberating experience where you were able to heal and move energy that was stagnant before and and have it hold you down or back maybe less than it 
would have in the past. And it sounds like it's even like it wasn't even a conscious thing necessarily, was it prior to that moment? No, no, no. Because if if you'd asked me, do you love your body? I would have said yes. And if you asked me, do you mind people looking at your yoni intimately? I would have said no, you know, because again, when there's a lover down there looking at it or, you know, worshiping it or touching it or massaging it or kissing it, it's like, yeah, yes, please. But like mm-hmm. 65 people you've just met, holy shit, you yeah. know? Um, and it's impossible, like, um, you know, I'm obviously having an, an experience listening where I was, where I'm kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm private and I'm intimate. And I, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I, you keep saying to me like, oh, I think you would have loved that training. I'm sort of like, I don't know if I'm into that, you know, like that doesn't really sound like my thing. And it's kind of, it's easy to say when you're not in the experience too, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are other things like, I think the container really matters and the the safety that you feel in your body and the context matters. And it's impossible to imagine how you would feel in that type of circumstance. It's possible for me to imagine how I would actually feel in that type of circumstance. And I wonder if how I think I would feel is actually how I would. And, you know, like what my reaction actually would be in that moment if I were in your shoes. So, yeah. Yeah, I should say that like the whole course is designed almost to the minute of all of the things we do before we get to this point, you know? just like you said, it's it's all about the container. And I should also say that like there were, we had like, uh, we were all in a circle in like three or four rows. So there was people who you could choose where you wanted to be. And so if you're at the back, nobody saw you. There was people fully clothed. There was people fully undressed. There was everything in between. Mm-hmm. There was people dancing naked in the middle. There was people curled up in the fetal position with a blanket over them at the back. You know, it yeah. wasn't that we had to open our legs. It was had to touch yourself. There was none of that. It was like, we're going to create a space and your, your goal is to ple- pleasure yourself. And again, for some people that was literally being wrapped in a blanket at the back of the room, mm, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And also like, kind of break, sorry, it was just breaking apart that, Pleasure has to equal sexuality. Bit. Right. It was like, you know, yeah. That makes, how do I pleasure? Mm. That makes perfect sense. And also remembering, like, nobody's being shoved in that room. Each person no. that was there consented to it, paid for it, mm-hmm. planned for it, read all of the documentation and in beforehand, right? Like, so. Yeah, I think in those experiences, you said something earlier that was really wise and I think is worth highlighting. Um, And I'm forgetting your exact words, but something to the extent of how um, just how much integration matters, like these really powerful, any profound experiences, experience is only as beneficial as its capacity to be integrated in your real life. Like I'm thinking of other examples in the spirituality space, like people who do ayahuasca retreats or have psychedelic experiences and they get these like massive illuminating moments, but then they have no idea how to integrate it in real life. Or even, you know, you and I met in an ashram in India, that's an intense and profound experience. And like, thank goodness, there's so much like conversation before we went home about what integration could be like and feel like and what supports we could access 
in that process because that mm-hmm. integration is just so 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 important um especially in these moments when you're you're in a bubble you're in like a contained bubble exploring something but then at the end of the day you need to go back home and go back into where the maybe triggers are the environment that is typical for you is or the the partners or the lovers or the family members or what have you that you you need to engage with so um yeah i think and go ahead bearing that in mind like my lovers weren't on that training with me you know um and there were people there who were in partnerships and um you know funnily enough uh one of my lovers her friend said um, oh my God, you and Jeannie must have been, you You and Jeannie must be having wild sex since she came back from that training. And the two of us looked at each other and we burst out laughing because there had been three separate nights that she had come over and stayed with me where we had literally just cuddled in bed because I was so exhausted and, you know, I was still processing and integrating so much of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's it's about removing this, the sexuality from it almost sometimes um and it just being yeah like you said integrated Mm. with that same um premise that I spoke about in the last one of like I have so many years to have so much beautiful intimate connection with people there's no rush now you know Mm -hmm. um and it, it is something that I did give feedback on was that I personally felt like we didn't have enough time for in like moments of integration throughout the course. It was a very intense, almost every minute was scheduled kind of thing. Mm. Um, and that really works for some people. It doesn't always work for me. Um, and I went in tired and actually sick as well. I had a cold, so I found it really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's another reason why I feel like it's, it's not for everyone. It's, and it's not for everyone at different stages of their life, you know, Yeah. Um, because if you don't have the awareness of knowing that, it, that's when it can become dangerous, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. That offered so much context to that, like, one liner that you shared with me after we stopped recording about yeah. it being dangerous. Like, obviously, I can could imagine, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, no shit, that could be dangerous. Putting a bunch of strangers in a room to do something super intimate around sex and sexuality, which is like really triggering in the first place, you know, like, it makes so much sense. Um, and I can also see how done masterfully it could be healing and empowering and illuminating for people um Mm -hmm. and i'm like so grateful for people like you who give that type of feedback of like more integration like Mm -hmm. um there's a maturity about that it makes me think about um when we were in india together and our like cleanse experience like there were so many moments during that and and for you listener um basically as a group in our yoga teacher training we were guided through a traditional cleansing experience where uh we drank salt water with lime like lots of it until our bodies were excreting everything that was inside basically violently um, yeah and and i had so many different experiences within that that were maybe energetically mimicking what you spoke about in this training that you were just in 
where um, having a background of a having an eating disorder that is very much in recovery, like it's been so long and I've done so much work around that, but also being a registered dietitian, working with people around their relationship with their bodies and food, trying to dismantle like diet culture messaging and and um, living in the ashram in my room with a roommate who had struggled with disordered eating for a big chunk of her life in a, a very serious way. There were moments throughout that where I was like, uh, has there been assessment around like where this could be really harmful, you know? And and also in reverence and respect to the tradition and the yogic tradition, like it would there were so many mixed experiences where I'm like, okay, I can see, I can see why we're doing this and how we're doing this. And there's some red flags, like a bunch of Westerners in a different culture doing something that was that was um, aligned with that culture and that pathway. Anyway, I guess that's what I'm connecting with right now, where I think about like, would I do that again? It's easy to say outside of the, the situation, if I would or I wouldn't, which I might have a different perspective if I were back in that container. But like, I think no, <laughs> you know, um, and, and yet, and yet, in a group that I would facilitate, like I'm sure that I have harmed people in my own facilitation, obviously unintentionally. I'm sure that I have triggered people. I'm sure that this podcast has triggered people. Like mm -hmm. that balance of um, that balance of trusting someone else's sovereignty, and also mm -hmm. as a leader being responsible that you're suggesting, you know, what you're suggesting and being mindful of how that could impact people. I think it's such a nuanced dance. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that you brought that up because when I was lying on the ground in that peaceful moment when everyone else was almost being exercised around me, <laughs> um, I thought back to that cleanse. And again, it was like this deep knowing in my body. You've done this or like you've done this work already. You literally excreted so much of this trauma in that cleanse that I was holding on to. And of course, even saying that now and experiencing it at the time, I jumped straight back up into my head of that's your ego saying your work is done. You know, of course you still have work to do, but there was also this deep knowing of like so much of that has already been released. Yeah. You don't need to do this again, lie down and rest. Um, and on that cleanse, I remember being so physically prepared for the physicality of it, the not eating for 24 hours, the violent excretion from the body, you know, being able to even for me talking about pooping, you know, was like, a, a, let, al <laughs> let alone like buddying up and trading places, yeah. like, like sharing the sharing can. Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, for me, it was the emotional trauma almost a release of trauma after that cleanse like I don't know do you remember I curled up into a ball and cried for three days like I was I was crying for I've no idea what like it felt like I was crying out years and years and maybe even generations of stuff um and almost the food stuff 
was almost irrelevant for me. It was like I was not prepared for the emotional mm-hmm. uh, cleanse, literally. Um, again, would I do it again? I'm not sure. Um, but was I grateful of the opportunity? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone who's listening, and, and I myself as a facilitator, will echo exactly what you just said. You know, I'm sure I've triggered people, activated people, and maybe not best served people unintentionally. But I also feel like we can be risk adverse as well and mm-hmm. not offer people um, opportunities for growth. And, yeah, and experience. And for me, so much of I think what's important is, first of all, helping people have their own autonomy, discover what that is, mm-hmm. help them feel into it, help them go through experiences where they get to decide constantly encouraging them to listen to their own body because you and I know from teaching and facilitating you can say something 10 times and people will still say oh I felt like I should do it because everyone else was doing it you know and so it's almost like creating a space with your words your actions that know that people know that whatever they choose to do is valid and okay yeah and really And really, truly being in that space, you know, really, Mm -hmm. truly having that trust. And I guess the reason I'm reiterating that, I'm thinking about a a retreat I was in in Southeast Asia where the facilitator, to be frank, and this might sound judgmental, but he was so up on his spiritual high horse that like he spoke words of like, trust your body. But if we did anything that was outside of what he wanted, it was like, I was like, this is not a true embodied facilitator, you know? And I think there are a lot of those types of people in spiritual spaces who actually haven't integrated their own work, you know? And, it's, and that to me is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. I'd love to tie this back into sex, if that's okay. Please do. <laughs> Please bring us back. Talk about consent like- and needs. and Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. No, that, that's what I was going to say, you know? Anyone listening, I, I've, I, I hope you haven't been in this situation, but I'm pretty sure most of you will have been where someone says something, but they don't mean it yeah. and you don't feel like you can say no um, or yes. Um, and to me, consent is so much more than words. Mm-hmm. You know, it's energetic, it's movable and yeah constantly changing now where do you draw the line with you know interrupting natural flow (laughs) with Mm -hmm. are you okay is this okay can I do that you know obviously that's like I always say consent is sexy but someone constantly checking in isn't that sexy if it's kind of performative as opposed to actually genuine you know Um, that feels so key performative compared to uh genuine Talk more about that. For sure. Um, again, it's so hard to put into words because it's a sense, you know, it's um, it's beyond words. It's a feeling. Um, I have an example. Please. I, I'm just thinking about a recent experience in dating um, with a man where it's like, oh crap, I thought I healed this stuff. It was like I was on another cycle around uh, in in the bubbling up of my own sort of trauma with men in particular, mm-hmm. 
where my nervous system felt unsafe with him. Like it was activated. Uh, my body was saying no. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, um, you're safe with me. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, I'm the one who gets to decide if I'm safe. And my body says, I'm yeah. not safe right now. You know? And, and it's like, and I also wanted to assume generously, like he, I trust his intention. He wanted me to feel safe for sure. And I trust that those words came from a, a genuine place, but he didn't get to choose if I felt safe. And in some ways, like, I think if I were to slow that down, that felt a lot like when I was in a relationship where there was a lot of gaslighting where someone told was telling me what my vision of the relationship was, or someone was telling me how I should be feeling, but my body was experiencing something different. And I didn't have the wisdom that I have now in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I stayed too long in it and it was emotionally abusive and it really fucked with me and it made me feel small, you know? And it also showed me how to better trust myself, how it also set me up on a journey to understanding body wisdom on a whole other level to like sensing red flags, you know, because that is such a felt sense experience. And I think about, yeah, like circumstances of non-consensual sex, not good, right? Like where you say no and someone's like, oh, okay. And sort of like back off and then come on to you like right away. I'm like, did you just hear me? Like, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so it is so tricky and nuanced. Um, yeah. What comes up for you? So when you were saying, um, when that person said to you, you, you're safe with me. Personally for me, because I've been in a similar experience where um, a guy I was seeing was... I felt so safe with him initially and then things kind of started to break down and a really similar experience. And he couldn't comprehend when I told him I didn't feel safe, mm -hmm. that I wasn't talking about physical safety. So he wasn't, you know, um, inappropriately touching me without consent. He was never physically or sexually abusive to me, but I didn't feel emotionally safe with him. Mm -hmm. And he could not comprehend that. Now, I probably have better language and stuff to explain it now. We were both in a tricky place. But what when you were speaking, what came up for me is, had that person said to you, are you feeling okay? Or is there anything I can do for you now to make you feel safe? Yeah. That could have shifted the whole energy. And I remember being in an interaction before um, and it was with a beautiful couple and I could tell that um, one of the, the, the people in the couple was not like was just contracting slightly. And again, it was such an intuitive, energetic sense. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at her and I said, are you OK? And she was a bit stunned and she kind of said, I think so. And I said, what do you need right now? And she took a big, deep breath and she said, I needed you to ask me that question. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling okay now. Then. You know, so 
I didn't say, tell her to do anything or tell her to feel anything. I checked in to see how she was feeling mm -hmm. and knowing someone was checking in with her to see how she was feeling and that deep breath of being present instead of maybe going off into fantasy land or something. Mm -hmm. You could just see her whole energy just dropped down into her body. And I didn't consciously say those words to make that happen. Again, it was just intuitive. Right. Um, yeah. And I just always remember her words. She just said, I need I needed you to ask me that question. Mm -hmm. And her partner looked at me as if I was some sort of magician, you know, but <laughs> I hate to gender it, but often women are more intuitive with the energetic side of things. Um, but you could see him just observing and taking it all in, which I feel like they've brought into their relationship now as well, which is beautiful, you yeah. know. Um, but it's like any wisdom. It's never the answer. It's the question. It's asking the question, mm -hmm. you know. And for, having space for the question. Yeah. And for you in that circumstance to ask that question, you said it was intuitive. You had to be embodied and present mm. in order to do that. So again, it makes perfect sense that people don't have the skills to have that level of attunement and depth, et cetera. Given that, I think there's so much trauma around sex, which means people are disembodied. And when you're mm -hmm. disembodied, when you're in your head, you're not in the present moment and you're not mm -hmm. able to necessarily access intuition in a way that you can when you're embodied. And so mm -hmm. it just, it's like, it makes sense. And sometimes I wonder like, how would the world change if they had more skills, embodiment skills? Mm -hmm coaching skills. I think about the skill of acknowledging and validating. I spoke about this in previous episodes, like in relationship and in sexual circumstances. Like if, if that um, man had said to me, um, of course you're feeling unsafe given that you have trauma around men and, and I'm a man and this is new. Um, anyone in your shoes would feel that way. How can I help? What do you need? Mm -hmm instead of telling me that it's safe, you know? It's like, wow, yeah. what could change if we were embodied and able to access our felt sense, able to trust it, able to act on it, able to have skills to ask questions? Mm -hmm. um, I think we'd be able to lean into these vulnerable moments with more care. Yeah, something that's come up straight away for me because I, I don't feel like this is everyone's experience, but it's a lot of people's experience considering the social media worlds that we live in. I've been fortunate to have intimate experiences with some of the most like aesthetically, socially accepted people, right? Men and women, right? I've, I've had interactions with some of the most beautiful, physically, aesthetically beautiful people. And... Not always was that the most erotic experience because often they've been praised so often for their good looks that they haven't ever needed to do any deep diving on stuff. Okay. And again, this is such a generalization. And if I think back to some of the best sex I've ever had, it's with embodied people. It's with present people. It's with, and like I've, I've had sexual experiences with the same person, let's say, in the course of a relationship where it's varied drastically based on where we both are 
in how embodied, how present, how much we love our own selves and how present we are in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember with um, a, a recent enough ex-partner, actually, uh, we met up recently just to kind of have a bit of closure and we're still in each other's lives. It was a very conscious, but at times painful separation. Um, and together we both explored so many of our sexual interests, varied, varied things. And we were chatting and lamenting and, and reflecting on things. And I said to him, remember that time? And he just went, yeah. And I, <laughs> I didn't mention the time. Um, and I'm not joking. It was probably, I think it was like missionary position. Nothing wild or fancy, but we were both incredibly present, incredibly connected energetically and physically and it both stood out instantly in Mm. each other's minds wow what a beautiful sacred experience you know because we as cheesy as it sounds achieved oneness in that moment you know um and it doesn't have to be these fancy tricks or you know techniques or Mm -hmm. um i'm thinking back to my like teens when i was reading cosmopolitan and it was like 10 ways to achieve, you know, and it's just Ew. like, no, <laughs> yeah. body, body. Um, yeah. And I'd love to share another experience from the course where we were doing a breathwork practice and it had quite almost psychedelic effects. We were breathing in a really particular way, bearing in mind there was no substances whatsoever. Uh, we were just about allowed coffee. <laughs> um, and I had such a profound realization where all I heard was two words, get in. And I burst out laughing because I've spent so much of my life and my uh, somatic journey through dance and yoga trying to, and these are my words, get out of my head. Mm -hmm. And it came through so clear, like it's not get out it's get in and during the experience I actually put both my hands on my head and like almost pushed myself back into my body as if to be like get in get down you know like drop your anchor down stop trying to get out of your head get into your body and I was just lying on the ground laughing I was just hysterically laughing that like 10 years of like ashram yoga training you know breathwork training meditation and all of that was summed up in two words get in you know get into your body and feel things but giving myself um compassion that there was so much work i had to do to feel safe Mm. to get into my body wow yeah and then it's nobody's fault if the, like it's not this light bulb switch going on, there was ten years of somatic work behind that, you know. And for other people, it could be ten minutes, but for me, it was just, and I was just lying on the ground laughing, just such pleasure and joy at the simplicity of it. And now, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed or complicated, I'm like, right, get in, get in, and you put your hands on your head and you push yourself into your body. I love that, literally. 
It was just, it was so physical, so visceral, that feeling of like, like me trying to get out and like every other part of me would be like, get in, get in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't know, something I keep thinking of too is like our brains, like our minds, like they're not a problem, right? Like that's not an no. issue. It's like, what a gift. We would literally wouldn't be here without the brain and nervous system, right? Like the brain and nervous system or the the body without the brain and nervous system would like just be a puddle you know and the, and the mm-hmm. the brain and nervous system without the body would have like nothing to sense like it's 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 integration mm-hmm. it's just that like the body is left behind so often that i think we have to bring focus to it and sometimes that language of like get out of your head get out of your head get out of your head can be just like so common to say but i love this get in and i almost have this visual of like most of us do start in the head kind of like our culture kind of trains us to be in the head so that sort of pushing down is almost like drop the awareness in an integrated Mm. way from the the brain into the body um Mm. yeah and just like you said it's it's not a problem to be in your head but if you're constantly there and ignoring the body yeah that's when there's an issue, you know? And there's a damn good reason why, and you spoke to this, like if it's not safe to mm-hmm. get in to your body, which it isn't for a lot of people because our bodies store trauma, painful experiences, like we need to approach that work, this work, embodiment work with a level of care and tenderness because it isn't necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. I'm having a moment, um, there have been different points throughout our conversation where, where I'm thinking of the person listening who is like, whoa, I'm so not there yet. You know, like you and I are having this conversation, Jeannie, and you're talking about this training where you're spending seven days in a place with strangers where nudity is involved. Like, I can imagine that some people are like, what the fuck i could not imagine ever even considering that like let me help me please just like be able to have an honest conversation with my partner that i've been with for 30 years you know like i think about clients that i have where it's like that's where they're at and we uh both have the the privilege and also have done so much work to be able to like get in and get in and get in and get in and go deeper and deeper and deeper And yet I think it's so, so normal to be like, can I just have one conversation with my partner that I've been with for years, you know, let alone feeling this like ecstatic, pleasurable sexual experience. And I guess I'm, I'm kind of like wanting to step into that person's shoes for a moment and yeah, I'm curious. I see you closing your eyes, like stepping into that person's mm-hmm. shoes. Like, what might be the very first step to getting in? Straight away, what's come through for me is that this isn't the only way, the way I'm sharing with you guys now. This was my experience on this course that I chose to do. Um, but also, there was a part of it where, again, nudity was always optional, but, and it wasn't 
it wasn't perverted nudity. Okay. It was like, look at this sacred gift that God, Allah, you know, the sun, the moon, the universe has given you of this physical body, this absolute miracle. Mm -hmm. If there's blockages, clothes can often be, you know, I'm just going to cover up and hide. So if you're wearing clothes, clothes consciously, and of course, if it's cold, it's fucking cold. You got to put on clothes. <laughs> yeah. But it, in a way, it was a very tangible way of like, let's remove all of these barriers. Let's remove all of these things of like what it means to be man or woman. Let us all be equal in our divine humanness. Mm -hmm. And that then we can start to really deeply connect with ourselves. And then for some people that could go on to lead to, I now know myself so intimately and I have such reverence and respect for others because throughout a lot of the sharing circles and trauma, what was coming up for me anyway, and others shared something similar, was that we are all suffering and to be so tender and gentle with everyone. Mm. You know, it, it. I felt really, there was a lot of equanimity, a lot of equalness throughout those experiences when we started to realize, oh, that person who appeared like they had it all together is dying inside as well, you know, mm. and let's all uplift them together. Or even around, there was a like every age from 21 to I think 70 was the oldest person on the course. Oh my gosh, I and love there was that. Probably a third of them were over 50. Wow. And there was a moment where like there was a lot of young, very attractive, nubile bodies, let's call them. And <laughs> there was one moment I remember looking over at this woman. She's had four children. She's in her mid 50s. She used to be a dancer. She has a phenomenal body for her age. And she had shared how much she loves her body, that it has birthed four children. It keeps her strong. She's mobile. And there was a time when I looked over to her and I was like, wow, like I am so attracted to watching her body move because she was so in her body mm. versus, you know, what society might tell us is a lot more attractive body of a of a young 21 year old who is checked out, you know, who mm -hmm. doesn't think they're worthy. Um, and so. I've kind of gone gone off track a little there, but I suppose my point is that I kind of went into this course not actually knowing a huge amount about it. Uh, something told me to do it and I trusted. And that's often, actually, that's always how I've done courses, including the one where I met you. So I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> um, other people might like to know a bit more about it. And of course, I've shared like snippets of what was this very well thought out very well practiced and, you know, well held container, I felt that can't be taken as individual experiences, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but to answer your question of what would be the first step, again, the answer is get in. Mm -hmm. What is it for you that is preventing you getting in and mm. maybe starting there? Whoa. And actually, it could be starting with the hand. I don't know why that's come to mind. Is like, can you feel your hand? For a lot of people, this is a safe-ish space. 
you know, like asking them to feel into their genitals could be really difficult, but like, what does it feel like to be your right hand? Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll just go from there, you know? Mm-hmm. Both Jeannie and I right now have our hands in front of the camera and we're literally just like running our, our each of our, each of us are running the thumb over the fingers and just like making fists and opening up the palm. And I'm taking my left finger and kind of like, ooh, sort of tickling the center of my palm. And it feels kind of nice. Ooh. Yeah, I love that. And and Jeannie, you know, even as you were talking more about the course and, and when I sort of zoom out and think about the themes that have been revealed f- through these two conversations, here's what I keep hearing us speak about. Uh, This comes back to when we pulled that Mary Magdalene card in the last episode at the very beginning. You said, you said something that the course did is it dropped you into the divinity of humanity, right? We're all equal. Mm. There's a divinity in whatever shape we come in. And I think that in and of itself is a profound uh, idea to explore. For someone who mm-hmm. is like, I want to be more in my body. Do you see your body as a divine gift? Period. Because if you don't, mm. you know, if it's, if it's like, ugh, I hate my body. If you hate your body, uh, it's hard to get into, right? Mm. And, and it's maybe possible, but maybe explore that. What does that even mean? What might it mean to see my body even a tiny bit more like a gift? I think that's mm-hmm. one big theme that I think is coming through in this training. What you just said about the hand, explore your own hand. What does it feel like to experience a safe part of your body? I remember a yoga class. Uh, I was in university, but this maybe might have been, it might have been the yoga class that got me into yoga. Up until then, I hated yoga. I never wanted to go. I went because a friend invited me and I wanted to be her friend. But I remember this one particular yoga class where it was the first time that I realized that I could, that I had a pinky toe, like that I could feel my pinky toe. And I was like, oh my God, I've literally never felt my toe. I never felt it bend. It was in downward facing dog or mountain pose as uh, Vishvaji would call it. Mountain pose where my, my pinky toe was like, bent and I could feel sensation in it. And I was like, holy shit, there's my body. Like, how have I gone 20 some years without realizing there was sensation in my pinky toe? You know, and it's like our extremities are safe places. It feels like as we get closer into the center, Mm -hmm. toward the heart, toward the genitals, toward the, toward the center line, that's where more vulnerability is, more trauma is stored, more um, tenderness maybe, but like, how can you feel just a part of your body. And even that question, when you talked about pleasure in the context of the course, where for some people it was like having a blanket around them, it wasn't masturbating necessarily. But even that, like, how can you allow yourself mindful pleasure? Not just this like tap out by drinking a bottle of wine pleasure. How could you sip your wine and taste it and actually like really enjoy it? You know, I feel like those are all ways to come in to get in to the body Mm -hmm. to get into the first parts of pleasure yeah Mm -hmm. oh even as we're talking i'm still exploring what it's like 
to be in my right hand. I just, just cause I'm holding the phone with my left, but like I've been running my fingernails up and down my leg, you know, and feeling the material of my leggings and, you know, like, what does it feel like in my leg and my fingers? And, you know, like I'm not aroused right now, but I'm enjoying the feeling of pleasure, you know, um, it's, you could spend hours doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It, it's interesting the timing of this conversation. Like we're literally about to enter into a holiday season for the folks that, um, that celebrate Christmas. And, you know, I'm thinking about you and I being, uh, well, I, I would use the term for myself, a single person. And I'm actually like not dating, not seeing anyone, um, I feel like I'm wanting a monogamous relationship. I feel like I'm clear on what I want. And right now I'm really enjoying my own life and my own, you know, offering myself pleasure and touch and kindness and the things that I want from a partner. I'm really in a space of enjoying that for myself. And, um, you know, so we're not, we're not like in these like traditionally partnered experiences and it's the holiday time and I'm thinking about how um, in years past the holidays would really represent another another year passing as a single person you know when the world is telling me I should be partnered by now mm-hmm. and you know I can imagine I know that there are single people in this community uh, some of you are my clients and you're entering into the holiday season and and some of those feelings can come up around like loneliness or why am I not partnered or whatever that may be. And so I feel like there's something that's interesting about the timing of this because and and as I reflect this holiday, it's like, wow, I'm in such a different place than I was as a single person going into the holidays where I just see my singleness as like a reverent place to be, you know, and yeah, I'm curious what you would say to to someone who is kind of like, ugh, another holiday as a single person. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my God. I've been there so often. And then I've been in the opposite where I've been in a partnership. I was in a marriage where for so much of it, it was beautiful. And then there was times where I felt so uncomfortable being in that relationship you know because it wasn't far either us at the time and so it's actually it it goes two ways and it's so interesting because I know when I'm single I was looking at everyone in a partnership being like oh their life is perfect and then I'm sure there's people who are in partnerships that maybe it's not the best time for them or they're just not in a good place right now or maybe it's the wrong relationship um, or it's just the end of the relationship as it is who wish they were single, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose in this moment, I'm exploring more ethical non-monogamy or polyamorous relationships, both from the place of being also bisexual, so both with men and women, or greedy, as my friends call me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. But it's interesting. And... I'm going to say this now, but it it has to be felt and realized. I often was coming from a place of lack of there's no one out there for me. No one understands me. Um, everyone's a moron. I often say that. I feel really <laughs> bad with it after what comes up when, I, when I'm swiping through profiles, you know. Um, 
And just through lots of different things, I wish I could tell you there was a secret, a secret practice, but it's through lots of different stuff. I came into an abundant, uh, more of an abundant mindset around pleasure in general mm-hmm. and what it is I needed in my life. And you know this well, it's exhausting to do that for yourself all of the time. Mm-hmm. But there are things you can give yourself and then having a partner or partners who can give you that back and plus some is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just to tie it all together, like I think asking yourself what it is you truly desire and start by can you give even some of that stuff to yourself mm-hmm. and, and try not to give it to yourself from a place of, oh, I have to do this. Another thing I have to do for myself. But like, I'm going to really do this. Like I'm still rubbing my hand up and down my leg and it feels really, really nice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so can you pleasure yourself the way you wish you were pleasured? And then if and when you meet someone, you'll know so much better what it is you want. Yeah. And then maybe they'll surprise you also, you know, in a supportive way. Yeah. Um, we're meant to be with others. We're communal creatures. We're not meant to be alone. There's times you and I both love being on our own, but it's having the choice around being your own. Yeah. For me, is what's important. Yeah. I want to double click on what you said about coming from lack into a space mm. of abundance. You know, like we're in different, we're in different spaces right now in terms of our types of relationships and and even what we're wanting what we're wanting to call in my I don't know if you have the app the pattern it's like a human design based app that gives you like notifications about yourself and about like what's happening in the world from an astrological perspective anyway right before we started this call I got a notification from the pattern that said uh, you want to be in a partnership where you can claim the other person and they can claim you and as I read that I was like you know after exploring uh, openness in relationships and all kinds of all kinds of things, it's like, yeah, in the, at this moment in my life, I want a monogamous partnership that I can go deep with for a chunk of time, you know. And I'm like, huh, yep, that so. is just true. And I used to come from lack, where it's like, oh my god, there's no good people out there. Like, where are they? And now <laughs> it's sort of like, well, if I exist, they exist, and like. We just haven't met each other yet. So let me just go on living my bad life. Like, of course, they're out, out there. It's like the shift from lack to abundance is mm. so beautiful, you know? And yeah, I'm sure over the holidays, there'll be these little like niggles of lack that will come up. And I feel like strong in my conviction around like how I want to approach my life. And that feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We, oh, we I'm have so to happy. And again, like, do we need a part three? Um, I'm done. <laughs> Jeannie, I haven't mentioned this to you, but I would like to invite you, if you're free, on January 2nd from 10 a.m. MST, that's my time, to 2 p.m. So that would be what? 10 a.m. is 5 p.m.? 5 p.m. No. to 9 p.m., your time. So for all you folks in Ireland and Europe, um, I would like to invite you, I am facilitating something called the Purpose Map Digital Day Retreat. And I oh. used to run these day retreats in person um, at a little studio that were really about using the Purpose Map framework to look at like 
life and connect with your core values, how you want to feel, what you want to call in for your life, and just like really deeply connecting with other beings. And I decided this year that I wanted to facilitate this online for our international community for free. Typically, I charge 500 bucks for it, but it's a free thing that's happening on January 2nd. And I just realized yesterday that it's like January 2nd, 2022 is 22022. And I think that's kind of auspicious. It's a new moon. It's, uh, I just, I don't know, there's something that feels a bit magical about that day. So I'd love to invite you to join and I'll give you the registration link if you'd like and invite your friends. And as I invite you, I'm also inviting you listener, if you'd like to join this digital day retreat on January 2nd, I guess that might be January 3rd in places like Australia. Um, But I will make sure that I link that up in the show notes too. But are you free? Can you come? I think I can. I, I'm I'm busy in the morning, but it'll be your morning, but my evening. Yeah, totally. Well, you don't have yeah. to. You don't have to commit to anything right now. But I just wanted to put that well, out there. My body thing, yes. And then I'll just see what my diary says. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> final words before we close. Get in and enjoy your body. <laughs> mm, I love you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Love you. Thank you for asking questions. You're so welcome. Thank you so, so much, as always, for tuning into this podcast. It honestly wouldn't be here without you. I hope you loved that episode with Jeannie and that the last couple of episodes around sexuality and intimacy um, and all things, all the things we spoke about were meaningful and that you really received something from it. Um, To integrate, how can you get in and enjoy? Those were Jeannie's last words. What would it mean to you right now to get in? And what's one thing that you could do over this holiday season for your own personal pleasure? I'll leave it at that. I hope to see you at the Purpose Map Digital Day Retreat on January 2nd. The link is in the show notes for you to register. And I can't wait to speak with you oh so soon. Next week, we have our final episode of the Worthy and Well Loved series. It's a live coaching conversation with a community member who is asking the question, how do I know if I should stay and work on this relationship or if it's time to get out? So that's what you can look forward to next week. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.